Okay. Oh, so I fuck. I'm introducing this one. Son of a bitch. Business <laughs> under the influence. Also, David, do you listen to my podcast? I no, not yet. Rude. <laughs> anyway, well, I don't know what your podcast is called. Have you even looked at my website that your face is on? <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I did. I did. I did briefly, but I have not. Uh... It's building better businesses with Catalyst Consulting. Uh, Ready? Building. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's my pajama kid face. You guys know the pajama kid gif meme? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. That's actually very good. Like now that you tell me, I know it's very good. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that should be my Halloween costume. I'll just get a sponge oh, yeah. and, and then the like, then like hair, so it's doing the his hair thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a piece of cake. Okay. Hold on. Nope. Don't laugh. I'm getting the. I can feel the giggles. Okay. That's perfect. It's business under the influence. It is. Okay. Ready? Allegedly. Welcome back to episode four of Business Under the Influence. Thanks for coming back. We really appreciate it. I mean, also, I think we're having a great time anyway. So if you don't, fuck off. Um. So Business Under the Influence, this episode, we're talking about the performance management cycle and our various opinions and experiences with such. What's next? Introductions? Mm-hmm. So the gentleman on my left um, is Ben. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> on my left. Um, yes. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Ben here is a very fancy, he's got a lot of initials after his name because he's done a lot of schooling. Um, he has an MBA. I don't know why I can't remember what the title of your actual MBA is. Like, what's your the name? Innovation what? Management. Innovation Management. I mean, it sounds really cool. It sounds like you build robots or something. It um, sounds businessy. <laughs> it does, yeah. Business buzzwords. Um, Synergy. <laughs> Synergy, past Um, Okay, anyway, so MBA, a freshly minted PMP, which is a motherfucking PMP, if you know what I mean. And in case you didn't know, Ben can actually yodel Baby Got Back. Oh, yeah, it's true. Brings tears to the eyes. End of the episode. End of the episode. (laughs) Listen until the end. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, I am introducing my good friend David here on my left and uh it's funny because we're in the same room uh he has years of management experience uh from the u.s military to u.s corporate life retail you name it he's probably done it he is also a psych psychologist allegedly um air quotes he's really good at telling you why you're wrong Uh, but a fun fact about david the beard's not real it's a filter all right and then i guess uh to my left is uh is Kristen she has a quite a bit of time uh in the trenches learning things the hardest way possible so that you don't have to um and so that is her superpower and uh the fun fact about Kristen is uh she is actually afraid of geese not because they're assholes but because someone tried to smother with her pillow once and the smell just brings it all back <laughs> uh but factually geese are assholes i would also like to point out that's a that's a that is a true fact. <laughs> no debate. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We're very, uh, we have such interesting pasts, you know? Oh, um, what are we, uh, what are we drinking today? Trauma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> past trauma, trauma. Um, I'm drinking the Hogue Screwtop 2018 Cab Sauv. Uh, we have a lovely um, pale ale 
um, with some nice notes of hazelnuts. IPA hops. Oh. <laughs> and hops. And mountains, full of hops. It looks like. Uh, fun fact sun. that would that would actually make me very ill because I'm allergic to hops. That's unfortunate. Oh yeah. Right. You yeah. live in the Pacific Northwest. Well, that's yeah, that's how I found out. Well, when you, when you have bad out. genes, that's how that goes. You should have good genes. Yeah, like I me. get my genes from Levi's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben. <laughs> oh, Ben. Um, Mute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Your speaking privileges are revoked. <laughs> uh, yeah. So performance, man- performance management cycle. I may have already had some wine. Um, spilled very little of it. What are we, where do we want to start with this topic? Um, I think the uh, kind of what the the purpose of the performance management the the so the performance management cycle. Uh, what is what like? Why do you even have to have a performance management cycle? That's incredible. In the first place, please use that voice more. <laughs> why? Who are you asking me? Yeah, I mean, yes, I guess that's where we're. I mean, oh. yeah, I would ask Ben, but he doesn't know, so we're I don't asking. Have a damn clue. <laughs> Uh, ben, what is your definition of a performance management cycle? Uh, well, it could be a couple of things. My initial thought is with a given employee, a uh, performance management cycle is both the feedback loop for performance improvement, be it positive or negative. There is a conscious performance improvement when someone is not doing well and you need to address the issue, discuss with them. But then there is also the ongoing and continuous feedback that should be happening with employees, whether they are doing well or not. Am I, am I right? Did I, did I multiple choice that? Yeah. You fucking killed it. <clears throat> We're so proud of you. <laughs> Drink. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah. So David, in your experience in an unmentioned military establishment versus like corporate life, were there similarities or differences or both? Uh, yeah. So I think the big thing for me on, on performance management on a, in a military world, um, you are usually running it on. So there are, are, are quite a few similarities. You are running things usually on a quarterly cycle in the corporate world. We always try and say we're running on a quarterly cycle, but that usually is the first thing to go when crunch time hits is like one-on-ones performance feedback. Yep. And so everyone has the, we're at the end of the fiscal year and everyone goes, fuck, we forgot about performance reviews. And then everyone has to write everyone's annual performance review. It's funny how that just became annual <laughs> towards the end of the summer. Right? Yeah, just... And uh, well, they are annual performance reviews, <laughs> but you're supposed to do like quarterly updates on, mm-hmm. on the majority of the time. Yeah. Um, and so in, in the military, that is actually a lot more heavily enforced. Um, usually it, it gets hit hard when you're uh, at the lower levels, because at a low enough rank, if you do well enough in your performance reviews, you can actually make rank faster than it should be possible because you're a, you're a badass. And so there is a lot of focus on uh, uh, lower ranked uh, enlisted members, especially of being like, oh, and then also even lower level uh, officers as well, commissioned officers, because you can make rank faster if you prove that you're good at what you do and how you prove you're good at what you do is you're really good at writing a single line that goes across the length of the page and does not extend past the length of the page, but leaves as little white space as possible. That explains what you did with approved uh, acronyms. And uh, we literally had a book of acronyms, but you do that is much more heavily enforced. And then you kind of get in the habit. And then you as a supervisor, once you attain, uh, get the rank, you are now supervising people. So you are now doing their quarterly reviews. And so therefore you're usually knocking yours out as well. 
Um, so there's a lot more focus on that side of things. And so you often do have official feedback guaranteed every three months on a very formal level um, with whoever is is managing you at that point in time. In the corporate world, that's the goal. That usually doesn't happen. Um, I think the other thing that, that uh, is kind of similar on that is that Oftentimes, the person who's judging how well you did your job does not actually do your job. Um, mm. And so there, there is that similarity there where you have to be able to explain to someone else why you being good at your job is good at your job. So if hypothetically in the military, I was a like um, a bunny wrangler in the military is very important to the safety and defense of our country that we wrangle the bunnies so the bunnies stay in the cuteness zone and they don't wander out to the murder zone. We need to keep the bunnies in the cuteness zone. Um, but when I explain to a general who's looking at dollars and cents, he's going to say, why the hell do we have a bunny wrangler? And I have to explain, you don't understand what bad press it would be for this military institution if bunnies made it into the murder zone and then there were just pictures of murdered bunnies and they say mm. this military institution did this. Can we make that the episode title? Bunnies <laughs> in the murder zone. <laughs> and so Absolutely. the uh, <laughs> And so that is and so you have to be able to explain to someone who does not know what your job is because the military is hyper specialized. You have to be explained to someone who has never seen your job, doesn't have an impact to their life if you do or do not do your job. And you have to be able to explain to them why your job is valuable. And so I feel like that uh, relates directly into the corporate world as well, where oftentimes a director is deciding your budget. And that director is five people removed from you making that argument. You have to be able to find a way to make that argument. So those are kind of similar on those sides of things. And so like if someone says I'm bad at my job, I have to be able to communicate to them that I'm good at my job or what. And they may push things down that say like, make this person better at anything else other than bunny wrangling. And that could then become a performance improvement for me on that set of things. Um, as far as how they're very different, the one nice thing that is... I say nice thing because that's my management style that I default to in high stress situations is at the end of the day, if someone is not doing a good job, you just tell them to do better. And if they don't, then they're gone. Those are your, those are your two options. The military, it is like, that's a great manager. <laughs> you will shape up, you will ship out, you will accomplish this mission because people's lives do rely on you wrangling the fuck out of these bunnies. So those bunnies better be in the cuteness zone because if there is one bunny in the murder zone, we can actually take you to court over your inability to do your job. Um, so for example, uh, my fun fact about the military is if you're late to work, that is, you, they can take you to court and they can uh, take you down in rank. They can withhold your pay. They can do all that if you're just like, don't show up to work on time. And so having that as a like a fallback as a manager is you can just be like, either you do this or it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. And I will provide no help. I will provide no guidance. I will do nothing for you unless you have a good leader, in which case they do, which I had a lot of phenomenal leaders while I was in the military. But you have that ability of just like either you solve this or you just don't get paid this month. And that's how that's going to go today. And then you're like, well, cool. Then I quit. And you're like, fun story. You can't. Um, whereas in the corporate world, you actually have to keep someone at the job because you can be like, either you do this or it's going to go bad for you and we won't pay you for a month. And they're like, cool, then I'm gone. And you're like, wait, 
no, 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 no. Don't leave. That's not mm-hmm. how this works. And so, so on the I corporate mean, side, you have, to do a, you have to do a lot sometimes. more management. Yeah. yeah, you have to do a lot more management of the individual to say like, hey, how can I make you motivated? How can I make sure you do succeed? So what I'm hearing is at the end of a performance review cycle, when, you, when it comes down to it, you should have a pizza party. <laughs> Always. <laughs> People motivated. Um, yes. And also ben, probably I Johnny's. swear to God. Yeah. Um, if there's not a ball pit, I'm out. Yep, I oh. am out. If a bounty if an house at any point in time was like, "Hey, every other Friday we just have an inflatable adult size obstacle course," sold, mm. done. Yeah. I will work for so little money. You don't even understand. <laughs> like, we need to reevaluate what motivates people in this country because <laughs> it's evidently obstacle. Ben courses. would be like single-handedly running an entire like logistics warehouse and they're just like all right then okay it's obstacle course time and he's like yes it's friday it's second friday i will be ceo for a bouncy house you don't even know yeah fully support this mission um my new goal in life doing everything i possibly can to make this happen (laughs) yeah Oh, so anyway, I think at the end of the day, the nice, the nice thing about the military, and I say that with, you know, like there are, there are large benefits of having that as an option is that you don't have to, your performance management is only making sure people are in compliance. You don't have to motivate and drive them because they're in the military. Clearly they're self-motivated, self-driven because yeah, because everyone knows that if you take, they, they signed a contract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that if you take 1% of the population and then change nothing and then put them into the military, they are the totally different human beings from how they started. And, right. uh, but so the, the big thing there, the nice thing about um, that environment is you don't have to motivate. You don't have to prep, encourage, drive, like you can literally just be like, here are your two options. And in the corporate world, you can't do that because guess what you do have a competitor in the corporate world so they can just be like cool well fun fact what if i just left for this or left for that or burn this place to the ground you can't stop me chad kevin (laughs) i wasn't gonna try and rag on single names but i know at some point a name is just gonna stick in my head i apologize to all calebs i might (laughs) just choose the name now oh Uh, but that'll be my like punching bag. Yep. Caleb, I apologize. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> uh, yeah. But say I'm, an, a, uh, I'm a manager in the civilian world working with Caleb. What is my goal with the performance review cycle? What is, why am I doing it with Caleb? Um, both, both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so I feel like, and this kind of like goes back to our previous conversation too, talking about like leadership versus management. Like in theory, you're doing it so that you can help this person become a better person, um, achieve the goals that they want to achieve. And then maybe even some that they didn't know that they had, because that I think is one of the most fun surprises about leadership is like, oh, we've kind of like unlocked this hidden potential that this person didn't even know that they were interested in, but that's like, you know, unicorn, but, um, yeah, so to sustain a, like from the transactional side of things is to sustain a certain level of performance that you need to sustain in order to continue to run your business. Um, and that includes performance management and coaching human beings in almost every case. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my, like ultimately to get a result, uh, secondarily 
close second, hopefully, is to help your team become better and achieve the goals that they want to achieve. Or if they also want to, because there are other people who just like what they do and they just like coming into work every day, knowing what their job is, feeling like they're good at it, and then going the fuck home and like not stressing about anything. So whatever that looks like for them. Oh, that must be fucking nice. <laughs> but like, the, oh, yeah, the whole God, idea about like, it, yeah. I, I'd say is like, if your job is just uh, slapping a table and you just show up and you slap a table, how do you know if you're good at slapping a table? Like you get a paycheck every day, but you feel like you're slapping the table harder or faster than the person next to you. That's an HR case. How do you, how do you know that you're good? Like you can't as a person, how do you say like, oh, I, I am a good table slapper. Or man, I am over, over exerting myself slapping this table. And I go home with a sore hand every day and I'm, un- I, I'm unable to then play Super Smash Brothers on the N64. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so at the end of the day, performance management isn't just necessarily a way for the manager to ensure that people are reaching expectations. It's also mm. to set those expectations mm. for that person. Because if I can say, Ben, I need you to slap a table 60 times per minute, you can then go, okay, so one slap per second. Or if I need to go like drink some water, I just need to do a bunch of quick slaps real quick. Or if I say you need to hit the table this hard this many times per minute um, and you say, got it, understood. And so that's the the idea of of performance management is it is a two way street in the sense that mm -hmm. it gives me a way to say like you are or are not meeting expectations Mm -hmm. and it removes the ambiguity of them being like, am I actually good at my job? I think I don't know. That's another good point, though, is that there's a lot of auxiliary benefits. So we have this thing, as I understand, as you guys are explaining to me, we have the performance review cycle. It is a process by which a manager uh, works or a leader works with an employee to better both the employee and the company. But it's not just that. Can it also be a way to evaluate the bandwidth of that employee? or other business needs. Uh, I feel like the main the main body, the main way that performance review cycles happen is by one-on-one meetings. Everyone's heard one-on-one. Everyone's had the one semicolon or colon one on their Outlook calendar. Um, That's how I do it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that that is the mechanism. When we say performance review cycle, like that is kind of what we're talking about. Is that not also a time to evaluate the bandwidth of that employee? Do they, do you have like 30 tables that need slapped and that person is already burnt out and you're like, Jesus Christ, how do I slap all these tables uh, and hire someone else as the answer? When would you learn that outside of the performance review cycle? Or what are the other bullet points that you get out of the whole performance review cycle as a concept? As far as that also, who picked slapping tables? Was that David? David. <laughs> Fucking idiot. No, I'm kidding. Um, driven this bus into table town. Out, out of control. Yeah. <laughs> the table um, oh my God. So, Sir, that's a train. <laughs> um, I, I like to like quickly submit to the group for approval that anytime we use a corporate buzzword, we have to drink. Agreed. Mm. So like bandwidth. Well, oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I need. I feel like we need to circle back around to that. Let's put a pen in that for now, and let's circle back around. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um. What was the original question? Um. What else do you get from the oh, review cycle? So 
there should also be metrics though. Like you're not necessarily determining if you're talking about corporate life or if you're a manager of people and you are not the owner of the business, um, then you're not determining what the metrics are that the business is being measured by. But those are pieces of the performance management cycle. It's not just like how good of a person are you? It's also, are you meeting the minimum level of production requirements for fucking table slapping? (laughs) Or are you below the minimum? Did we recently acquire a plethora of tables that we now need to have slapped. And so we need more employees to slap the fucking tables. Or are my people just so slow and stupid that we can't slap the tables? Good. Like, what if we used both hands? You know what I mean? Like, then you could slap two tables at one There's time. There's one dude but just like, headbanging, doing his best. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but, but, but. anyway. I can't believe this is the thing that we're doing today. Um, so there are additional metrics for like that level of performance that you're mm-hmm. also discussing because you're talking about, um, what's the word? Productivity, productivity, yeah. efficiency, however it's measured in whatever corporate buzzworld you live in. But there's also going to be some form of that if you are the small business owner mm-hmm. and you're like my host takes 47 minutes to seat every fucking client in my restaurant because they talk to them nonstop and set up like, so there's going to be different kinds of measurables for whatever it is you're doing. So that's the piece of it um, that kind of goes hand in hand, I think. Okay. We talked about this a little in the last episode, but providing constant and continuous feedback. David's really experienced yeah. in this. Um, you always want to provide feedback early on so that it is a normal thing and an open discussion with your employee. But how does the form of that change depending on the size of business? For example, a restaurant is not going to go get a $10,000 subscription to Workday HR software to have this like managed review cycle plot. Like, like that's not the right format, obviously. So for what types of businesses, uh, what formats do you use or would you recommend using? I I think, David, you might actually know actual numbers on this, but um, the average person can only effectively manage like 10 to 15 people at the most, really. And like some studies recently would stay like, it's like five for the most part, depending on what the type of work is that you're doing. So I feel like that's kind of a direct correlation, like depending on the size of your team, like if you are a small business owner, you own a restaurant and you have 30 employees and none of them are in leadership. Um, you are burnt the fuck out and you probably hate your life. So that's like, you need to bring in some like leadership people. And from there, that's, I think when you're talking about platforms, Mm -hmm. I would think. Exactly. David. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's about, uh, yeah. The the math checks (laughs) out. Thumbs up. (laughs) Uh, I guess I'm also wondering how does the format change? Like you can scale and there are softwares that help you scale and otherwise, but if I'm running a a small restaurant or even a food truck, what does a performance review cycle look like with my employees? Well, I think the big thing here is that metrics attract differently between any metric thing. Every productivity is... (laughs) What? (laughs) It's easy. Uh, Metric things track differently via each metric thing. So Uh, so at at the end of the day, like uh, when you're talking about, you're talking about the performance management cycle, the performance management cycle uh, will tie in the business's metrics and goals. However, performance management is done on a person-to-person basis. And so it doesn't necessarily matter how you're tracking the success of the business, as long as you can communicate that success of the business to the employee themselves. So it doesn't matter if you are uh, like, as long as like, it could be like, we use an advanced AI 
This AI analyzes every breath a human being takes and how much work they exerted in calories per breath taken. But then I do my performance management with like a freaking chalkboard. Like that, all that matters is that when you're doing the performance management cycle, you don't, whatever system it is, you just need to convey that the all-powerful AI God told me that you are performing at this level per breath taken. And I yeah. will draw, like, this is how many tables you slapped today. Mm. And the AI God told me that you could have slapped all those tables harder. You did slap every <clears> table, <throat> but you slapped them really fast so that you could go and do whatever else with okay. your day. So it all, like, you can do it with a chalkboard. The whole idea <laughs> is that the idea of the performance management cycle isn't necessarily how it's tied to the metrics. It's how you convey the expectations and the goals and the tools and everything to the employee themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that scales at any level, because at the end of the day, all you have to do is be like, did we do what we wanted to do? Yes. No, we killed it. We did not. And then so the big answer there is that every company needs a performance review cycle. Yes. Potentially, even yeah. if it's just you, if you are a single member uh, corporation or otherwise, I don't know, schedule an hour to take some notes on how you're doing. Yeah. Or did we um, make money this month? Did anything I do yeah. adversely Those metrics are too that? real. Those <laughs> hurt the heart and soul. Yeah, those are not table slapping. Um, <laughs> That's why we include table slapping, because it separates the emotion from the action. And then you're... Uh... You're able to have an honest conversation. I mean, I have emotions about the table slapping, though. Like, I'm really passionate <laughs> about table slapping. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, as a business owner myself, and I've been solo for the most part, like, I've had um, contractors a few different times that have helped with different pieces of the business. And now I have my henchwoman, Melinda. Um, I still have like monthly PL reviews with my bookkeeper specifically. And then just in general, I'm like looking at my metrics and measurables, like the targets that I'm trying to hit that are getting me towards my long-term goals. Because otherwise, how do you know? Like you don't know, like I think a lot of business owners in particular forget to celebrate the successes and celebrate the wins. And it's very easy to do when you're like trying to get to this, like whatever your your goal, I want to be a seven figure e-commerce business, or I want to do six figures in coaching every year, whatever your thing is that you're trying to hit $20,000 in my Etsy shop, like whatever your goal is, if you're not checking it along the way, then the wins don't feel like wins anymore because you always feel like you're just trying to get to this insane goal. That's, you know, $20,000 and whatever. And, um, then you're like, well, I've only done 12,000, but it's like, dude, you fucking sold $12,000 in an Etsy shop. Like good for you. Like, that's amazing. So I think that's a key piece of it too, is like being able to acknowledge this stuff along the way, even if you are a solo entrepreneur before you have a larger team. And then it almost becomes more important when you have a team, I think. Yeah. But. Yeah. Cause the whole idea is as a solo business owner, in theory, you're self-motivated and self-driven, but yeah, again, theoretically, <laughs> but when you yeah. have a team of people, those people don't have skin in the game. And so you have to right. give them the reason of why, where they're at, how things are going and what, what they're seeing out of it. I mean, they might, yeah. they might have like restricted stock options or, other they might anyway yeah <laughs> yeah but i think like to your point too is like you're you're saying that the container doesn't matter as long as the content is happening because i feel like that's the difference between um like effective leadership and performative leadership where a corporation is saying you need to have x amount or like to your point the military like you need to have these conversations at this scheduled time or else um i think takes away the value like there should be some 
like, I honestly feel like monthly one-on-ones are too far apart. Like I've had bi-weekly mm-hmm. one-on-ones and that's pretty, um, that's bare minimum. Like the smaller the team, the more frequent the one-on-ones are. Um, I usually have weekly one-on-ones with the teams I'm involved in now, but yeah, like the scheduled time to specifically talk about your performance, your successes, your goals, your opportunities that's separate from just like a random one-off conversation on the sales floor or in your food truck or whatever the thing is where it's like, this is time that I'm dedicating to you as your leader to make sure that you have what you need to get where you want to go and that you know what is expected of you in the long term or short term. Definitely. So, so David, you, I know you've held one-on-ones a lot with me. I used to work for you in the past. Fun fact. Oh, uh, God. Slapping tables, baby. Slapping <laughs> tables. I slapped so many tables. Uh, so fucking fact, hard. He was also, also allergic to tables. That's our fun. I was That's very our... allergic to tables. Um, <laughs> tables means work. Uh, <laughs> so, Kristen, have you... Have you held one-on-ones in your corporate life or in a larger organization? Yes, all the time. All the time. So in some of those larger formats, um, what what structure does it take? So you're a new manager. You have six employees starting out. You're about to host your first one-on-one. Obviously, you've been on the receiving end in the past, but how do you make your first agenda? Or how do you start that conversation? And how do you take effective notes during that conversation? Um, I think it, it kind of depends too on like where you're at. So the, if in your scenario, if it's, you're taking a new team, that's a little bit differently or different process than, um, an established team. Like you've been a part of it for a while, but I don't know why I needed to explain established. Like you guys didn't know what that means, but <laughs> just in case, um, hold on, hold big on. Word. wait, established, established means already existed. Yes. 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 Excellent. That's also how you make essays longer, by the way, is describing <laughs> the word that you're using. Yeah. Webster um, describes established. As. <laughs> yes. Um, little tip for you guys. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's always been for me like, Hey, how's it going? Like, how do you feel like things are going on the team? Um, if you know that something's happening, like if you know David's been having a rough few weeks and you're like, something's not right, then you're like, hey, how's it going? Like, it seems like you've been a little stressed out. Like you got extra stuff going on, like what's happening. Um, otherwise, it's just pretty much that. Like how, how is, how's life? How's work? How's the team going? We've been working on this objective. How do you feel like that's going? And then you kind of move into like it, metrics management, I guess. And to David's point from earlier, we're talking about like early and often, that's kind of when you start having those accountability conversations like, hey, yeah, so like normally we would expect X, Y, or Z. It seems like you're having a hard time hitting those goals. seems like you're having a hard time coming to work on time, whatever the thing is, um, what's going on there? And you start having those conversations. I'm like, cool, well, what do you think needs to change? And you kind of self- help them guide yeah yeah the, the self-guide help. yeah self-guide help um so the self-guide, big thing for me is help. what a lot of managers do is as a good manager you want to come in with like the proof in the pudding like you want to be able to say here's our numbers here's this here's your attendance record here's this you want to have that information available but you don't want to drive the conversation by those numbers. And so one thing that I did as a young manager was I fucking like Sherlock Holmes everything about someone's life. 
And then like they would sit down and I would be like, okay, so here where we're at last Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, between this hour and this hour, you were at here. And then you did this and you did this and you were observed doing this. And this is the case. And they're like, like you come in like that and they're like, fuck, do I need a fucking lawyer right now? Cause it sounds like I'm like, this is not going well for me already. And I'm like, and anyway, thanks for doing everything you're doing. You're doing great. And like people would leave <laughs> just like, what the fuck just happened to me? Like he came in and was just like pinning a murder on me and then was like, you're doing great. I really appreciate it. Like, it, and so like I had to be like, one time I had my boss sit in because I was getting a lot of negative feedback on my one-on-ones with my employees and my boss sat in and he was like jesus christ like what are you doing like what's your goal out of this and i was like well i just want them to know i'm engaged with what they're doing day to day and he's like oh jesus christ no like stop that and so uh it's exactly that though it's what's your objective yeah for the one-on-one if and, you hold yeah. them just because a dumb podcast told you to have them <laughs> that's not gonna go well for you yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what do you want out of this hour or the half hour with the employee? Yeah. So that's the big thing is like, I had to go in and I did a lot of work beforehand to understand, um, are they meeting business goals? Are we pushing in the same direction? Have I seen any issues? Are they dropping off from their usual performance or are they just, have they not met performance? And I will do all of that homework. But whenever I do a one-on-one, I like to see where the person is at, where they feel they're at. Because if they are like, I'm doing awesome then like clearly I have not done a good job of telling them what the expectations of the job are. And I can't, I should not then be like, you fucking suck. You're the worst. And it's like, it's clearly they're like, okay, so you feel like you're doing well. Why do you, why do you feel like you've been successful so far? Things like that. So I usually like to let them say, Hey, how are you doing? How's life been? How do you feel things are going at work? What have your struggles been lately? Um, What are you feeling really proud of? What have you been really successful at doing since we last talked? And they can, or like, what goals have you been trying to reach and things like that? And then if, if someone is completely off base on what their expectations are of what they thought they were doing versus the reality of the situation, I now have boom, here's the data. Let's talk about it. But most of the time, if you're investing that time in the person, you're like, well, from what I've seen, we aren't doing what we need to be doing. Like you are not actually accomplishing. Like we cannot give the customer, any, anything that you have touched, we cannot actually give to the customer because everything you've touched comes out damaged. And so like- All your you- tables are fucked, Ben. Yes. All of your tables. All the They're all fucked up. Like you yeah. just you just slap the top of a pizza and now there's just grease stains on every table. Why are your tables lumpy? <laughs> yeah. And so those are those like where you have that conversation and you save that data to be able to say this is the actual situation, this is the reality situation. But if you actually invest in the in the employee and you're talking to them about how do you feel things are going? How is this happening? What are your struggles? Usually some of them will like I've gotten some really rough ones. Like, yeah, I'm I'm going through a divorce right now and I think I'm losing my kids. And you're like, yep. cool. I'm glad I didn't come at you with like, all right, I noticed that normally you're 120% effectiveness, but you've been at 70% effectiveness and that's not okay. And you need to figure that out. But because I'm like, hey, how's your life been lately? And then they just drop that bomb and you're just like, Completely changes the tone. All right. I understand all of these numbers now, and this all makes so much more sense, but I didn't lead off with the data. I have the data, but I I care about the person and their ability to succeed because if they succeed, I succeed because as a boss, I don't actually, like, I'm not there to sweat. 
I'm there to make sure that the sweat is efficient, effective, and towards the goals of the business. And so like that should be my primary concern. Are they, are they doing something that actually helps move the business forward? So that's, that's how I do it. I have a thought. Yeah, no, I think that's important because it's like, there's, if you're involved and if they feel like they can tell you things and crazy shit is happening, especially for somebody where like, that's completely out of character for them. Like they are, they show up every day, they do their job. Maybe it's a top performer and they're doing more than their job and they drop to regular and you're like, you good? Like what's, what's happening? Um, then you can be like, okay, cool. Like, what do you need from me? How can we help you get back to where you normally are? Do you need some additional time off? Do you need half days if that's a thing that you can arrange at the place of you know you're employed um that's the kind of stuff that i think matters more to people and will help them push through and will often get better results because you're like hey i get that you're going through a super shitty time which is hopefully temporary because again we're still a business and we're still trying to make a profit um here slapping tables here slapping tables slapping llc yeah (laughs) yeah um because it does matter especially when you're like uh, trying to manage people on someone else's agenda, which is the corporate life, you have to be like, hey, as you know, we have to hit these goals as an organization. So, or is it a conversation that you can have with your team? Because some teams are um, tight knit enough where you can be like, hey, Ben's having a really shitty time right now. Like, is there anybody that can pick up some extra hours? Like, can somebody take an extra day so that he can have some extra time off? Like, whatever the situation is, um, I think that stuff helps the team function better in a lot of cases because they're going to notice too. And I think that's when you run into some issues or it can be kind of challenging when, if Ben is having a hard time and he's going through a divorce, he's going to maybe lose his kids. He's living on his cousin's couch for the time being, and no one knows what's happening. Then that's when you start getting a little dissension in the ranks of like, well, Ben's Ben's not doing anything right now. Like he's coming into work. He looks fucking hungover all the time. Like he's crying at his desk that's super weird (laughs) but being able to like (laughs) do you work with me (laughs) yeah he's a he's a sensitive boy um but sometimes that helps or if you can like tell specific people like the ones that you know are going to be the shit stirs a little bit where it's like hey dude like just give him a little bit of grace like he's going through some shit right now so just give him a little bit of space give him some patience like we all have shit happen to us he'll be fine but it's going to be rough for a minute and I think a lot of people are just like oh yeah okay because they get because we're all humans but then there's the whole what about me and that's the shit that like starts to cause drama I think well I'm being held accountable to doing this (laughs) yeah so the uh, I guess the the thing that we kind of would want to talk about uh, as as Ben is is learning about the 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 performance management cycle. So how would you run the performance management cycle for like someone who is very applied, wants something, and you think they're destined for something more, like they want something more out of the company? How do you run your performance management cycle for someone who is just an average performer who does their job? And how do you run it for someone who is just an absolute shit show and is not meeting expectations, or just even is just not? a shit show but just isn't meeting expectations Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um as far as like the cadence goes um that's always the same for me is like so in last corporate life um I did bi-weekly one-on-ones with everyone and I like rotated because my our teams were way too big so I had 
20 to 26 employees, give or take. Um, and so I would do like half and half and then like every other week, not that that detail matters, but you're welcome. And then, um, so during those conversations would be like that part never changed. It was always that same cadence. And then in the conversation, it would depend on what they were trying to accomplish. And I think with like high performers, it can be tricky sometimes to figure out if they do actually want something else, or if they just like being really fucking good at their jobs. Mm. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it takes a little bit of convincing, um, and trying to figure out like if they have other skill sets, because the problem that I'm sure you probably have run into before as well, is it particularly in a corporate environment, you either have to move into leadership or you bump into the ceiling of needing a degree or additional experience to be an individual contributor that gets paid more than like the delivery or operations team. So what I've noticed has happened is like on a delivery team to try and move up in individual contributor roles, you're either moving into client management, sales management, or proposal management. And your other options are leadership. So if you don't want leadership, it can almost be more challenging to like have additional options and move up or into different departments. So yeah, just kind of like that, I think is probably the most challenging thing with top performers sometimes. And if they're fine, like some people, you know, like some people just like to be there 180%. They're just more efficient and effective naturally. Their brains work the way you need them to work for this particular situation and they like it and then they go home and that's fine. But um, I've definitely had high performers that are just like do you want to learn other tasks and they're like no in fact i just don't really want to talk to anybody and i was just like well and they're <laughs> yeah, like yeah. so like frankly like if we could just end this now that would be ideal and it's like all right cool let's just end this now and they're like cool i'm just gonna go back and then just be two and a half people worth of output and just leave me alone and i'm great best employee i've ever had <laughs> yeah pizza party <laughs> He didn't yeah. want it. There was his, time he wasn't own. on the floor. Like he didn't want that. <laughs> he went and yeah. he, had his, he had his turkey sandwich and then he came back to work and he just solved problems. That's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those people, if you can, like, if you can give them uh, better, like financial incentives and stuff like that, like when you can give out raises, if you, again, this is, we're talking corporate life, I guess, yeah. for the most part, but if you can give them a little bit more of a bump and like, that's usually enough to be like, Hey dude, like I see the extra work that you put in. I appreciate it here you go. Here's your extra 27 cents an hour for the year. Um, and if you are a small business owner, those are the people that you want to fucking keep around because they are low maintenance. They like doing a really, really, really good job. And they're going to show up for you all the time over and over again. So like fucking give them whatever they want. Like it is end worth of story. it as a business yeah. to give yes. them whatever they want because the pain of them leaving, it's not a situation in which uh, you've created a single point of failure. That's a different thing. Having one person that can do a job, if they leave, everything collapses. Mm -hmm. Different thing could be a whole episode, but this is just someone who is yeah. so good at their job that replacing them is going to be a massive headache. Yeah, you'll survive, but you will lose money. Uh, you will. It'll take you a while to train someone up, et cetera. Like, honestly, get them better healthcare. Get them a, an awesome sit-stand desk. Yep. Don't nickel and dime your employees overall, but this employee is a perfect example of that. Like it is worth it to you as an owner to take care of your people that are pushing the business yeah. forward. And most of the asks are never big. No. Yeah. Most of the asks yeah. aren't, I want a company car. Most of the asks are like, it gets kind of toasty in my corner of the room. Is there any way I could have just like an air circulator and then a fan? And you're like, what's that? Yeah. Like that's $120 at Home Depot and I keep my highest performer. 
But the amount or of people a, that are like, well, if I get you an air circulator, I'd get everybody. No, they're in the corner that's hot. Other people are not right. in the corner that's hot. And then you're like, okay, if you get everyone one, that's what, $1,200 for a small company? That is still peanuts to hopefully what you're making. We can yeah. talk about finances of a company <laughs> later, but if you are concerned about buying fans for people, you are concerned about the wrong things. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, or like, yeah, like, can I just get my name spelled correctly on my name badge for my cubicle? Sure. Like that, sure. that is one of my actually like great victories as a manager is someone's email <laughs> was spelled wrong. <laughs> like, yes their email and they just they had every time they logged into any system they and the the crazy thing was i was doing their payroll their payroll is spelled correctly but to log into the payroll system they had to spell their own name wrong to log into the system to see their name spelled correctly when they input their hours if you want to make someone feel like they're not a person and they don't matter just fucking spell their name wrong all the time on purpose yeah (laughs) we should do an episode on negative management (laughs) techniques you should never do like that's the halloween episode yeah or how does never ever do this how do you get someone out of your business as fast as possible (laughs) call it never um, ever but (laughs) just smell their hair occasionally and see what happens (laughs) and then just let them know it smells different when they're awake oh Too far. I hate that so much. Um, so yeah. this is uh, so. So I guess um, what are some strategies you use? So you own a small business, Ben. You also own a small business. Mm-hmm. What are strategies you use if someone wants something more? They want their high performer. They want something more. What kind of conversations do you have with them to like gauge? A is that something more here or elsewhere? And either way, how can I set you up for success? And like, if you want to go elsewhere, how are we making sure that that doesn't just shoot us, Mm -hmm. doesn't throw a punch this company on your way out? How do you have those like conversations on a small, because I've worked only in large companies, corporate, military, Mm -hmm. like I work in a large environment where I have a lot of resources to say, oh, hey, you seem really analytical. Um, What if I started cross training you in our planning or our transportation and logistics department? Because I feel like you're wasted driving a forklift right now. And they're like, cool. I also feel like I'm wasted driving a forklift around, but I care about doing a good job. Therefore, I drive a forklift really well. And and I have those. I can just be like, well, let's move you over to the planning department then. How do you do that in the place where you have six to 18 employees? So I'll go first. I think Kristen will have more experience here. So listen to her. Um, (laughs) Basically, Uh, I have no responsibility for poor decisions. Um, (laughs) Stop devaluing yourself, but go on. Um, But so I run a small business. Uh, I have 19 employees at this point. I don't want to sound hesitant, but we just opened a new location. And so we haven't fully onboarded everyone. Regardless, uh, how do we have performance reviews in a small company and how do we evaluate whether it is worth it fundamentally to give an employee what they're asking for? And I do this a lot. Uh, We could have a whole episode on financial breakdowns, which is something that I absolutely love, especially for a small business. That's its own thing. We won't get into that too deeply, but there is a there is revenue generation for a small business. There are costs of overhead, uh, utilities, facilities, whatever it might be, and there is a balance at the end of the day. There's money coming in, there's money going out. If an employee asks for something, to be honest, 99% of the time, as you said, it's small. Like, I want a fan on my desk. I want my laptop super slow. Can I get one of the new ones that was just issued to the other employees? 
And that's fine. If they want something a little more lasting, like recently uh, employees asked for phone plan reimbursements because it's a business that involves having appointments over the phone and things like that. There are legal considerations, but the financial consideration is, okay, do I pay each employee an extra $80 a month? Probably. That's not that much for a business of my size, but there's still a breakdown of, okay, how many cents go into one phone session that they're having? Or what percentage goes into this? What percentage goes into that? I can offer you $50 a month reimbursement. You know, I'm giving an example. I still am in favor of just give them what they need if they're a really high performer. But that's kind of how I gauge it for a small business because money is a lot tighter. You aren't a massive corporation with a ton of resources. You have to do these breakdowns if you want to understand how you're growing and you know ultimately where your money is flowing. Yeah. I think also one of the pros of a small business is that you do still have flexibility. You can fucking do whatever you want. Like oh, that's yeah. It's also the, so much easier. The number one, yeah. The number one pro of being a small business, you can fucking do whatever you want. Like sometimes it's a terrible idea, but you can do whatever you want. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I think it just kind of depends as far as like when you're talking about like performance development, like if somebody is like, I don't love the role that I'm in, um, I would like to do other things, then you absolutely have the ability to be like, oh, interesting. I wonder if we can evolve what you do into something else, especially if you're like kind of consistently growing or maybe there's room for someone else on the team is like, hey, is this something that you would be interested in? Do you want to be developed into more of a business manager role? Do you want to be developed into our sales role? And we can bring someone else in that you could theoretically then help train to be whatever it is that you are. You get a little bit more flexibility, I think, in that aspect too be more creative in the solutions that you're able to offer. Cause like to your point, David, like it's a lot easier when you have like the departments that exist to be like, Hey, do you want to just maybe go to like the engineering department? Cause you like logic and shit. But when you're running your own business, it's like, (laughs) fuck, boo, fucking math. Um, math is stupid. Sorry, Ben. So that was my entire um, answer to the question. (laughs) <laughs> it literally was yeah oh god um, it's like, so let's do some bottom line <laughs> yeah let's do some calculations and i'm like fucking do what you want man <laughs> <laughs> um i'm cool ant vibes uh you're like <laughs> yeah she, um, she is wine drunk so she is cool ant vibes now oh absolutely that's my jam dude um <laughs> you wanna you wanna fucking go to mexico absolutely i'll bring the cocaine i'm just kidding i don't do cocaine um i can't FBI even smell cocaine I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you say you can't smell it or spell it? Spell. Spell. Oh. With, a, with a P. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anywho. Okay. So yeah, as a small business is developing, you have the opportunity to like flex your employees a little bit. So if they're like, I'm feeling kind of burnt out or I'm not really feeling engaged or like I'm being challenged at work. I'm not being fulfilled in whatever way, then that's when you kind of have the the ability to look at different things or even just like shifting their responsibilities a little bit. So that's where you're supposed to look at the math. Then um, um, I think one of the interesting things to just jump over Ben talking about math. Um, one of the interesting things that I found is that I have two types of employees being disengaged. 
And the one everyone thinks of and plans for and plans the pizza parties for is the person that just doesn't want to be there. But then you also do run the risk of someone who is a rock star and they are not challenged and they want to feel like they are getting something from work that's not punching a clock. Because it turns out people don't just enjoy showing up to a place for a while and then leaving and then maybe getting something that kind of makes sense in their head. So they actually need to actually feel fulfilled at work, mind blowing, or feel valued or have get something out of the interaction beyond money. So people are really bad about conceptualizing how money actually works in the world. And uh, it's why we have so many financial planners and all that stuff. And we sell just awful things, weight loss pills online and things like that. People are bad at money. And so the big thing is like people need to get something for work and so you're like the hardest battles i've ever had to fight is to try and keep someone who is a rock star and i have to fight to try and get them something they're slightly interested in and the battles i fight are like well like i need to get this person they're like they're amazing why would we ever move them and you're like no you don't understand they're amazing until they're gone in two weeks because they don't get what they want out of this company because this is not a pure you showed up you punched in we hand you money you leave like you need to get something out of your job honestly i think it's easier when someone asks for a thing even if it's an expensive thing hey can i go to this five thousand dollar four-day conference in seattle to be honest yeah probably probably give it to them uh when someone needs to feel fulfilled or asks for a broader subject like i would like to be a manager that's a lot harder to just provide. And if you're a small company, that's a really interesting position, but it can also be really exciting. You have someone that clearly wants to grow with the company, maybe is passionate about what they do. I don't know if you slap tables, good luck, but, (laughs) uh, but then you get into, okay, you have an opportunity as a business owner to develop an employee with this performance review cycle, especially when you're in that, like, your business hits 10 employees and you're like, shit, I'm starting to need a manager under me. I'm the owner, but we have two locations. We have two branches. We have things going on. You can start looking at which employees are interested in doing that. And that's also how you build your team because someday you might be a 600 person company and you need to be familiar with how a lot of those original 10 people have now moved up into management roles. And if you aren't taking a big uh, stand role, whatever it might be, in their life or their development, that's just not going to happen, right? I think that's like the, the, the concept that is important there is like the development of a talent bench is the people mm-hmm. who are going to fill the next roles before the next roles are actually available. And yeah, that's still important as, as a small business owner. Because to your point is like, if it's just me and I have 10 employees, like that's fine, um, depending on what I'm doing, like as a business owner still, like, because at some point I'm probably going to want to either step back, have different focuses, or be able to just develop somebody into that role. Because that's honestly one of my favorite things about leadership in general is like Mm -hmm. giving someone, trusting someone and empowering someone to believe in themselves enough to think that they can do the next big thing. Like, especially when it's something that they never thought they wanted to do or could do, or they're like, oh, I could never be a manager. Like, I don't have whatever the thing is. Um, So yeah, developing people, giving people stretch assignments, um, letting them do projects, process improvement projects, like those kinds of things where it's like, hey, 
I feel like we're really having some struggles with this piece of the delivery process. Like, what do you think we should do? Can you maybe do some research? Can you help me figure out how to solve this problem? Because especially with someone that's been with you for a while, they fucking know the shit probably inside and out at least as good as you do um, in a small business situation. So that's a good way to be like, hey, like here's some extra stuff, especially if they're already handling the stuff that you've um, like is part of their normal job responsibilities. But that's also, I think, a good way to test and see what they really want to do. Because sometimes people don't know. They're like, I feel kind of bored and disengaged, but I don't really know why. I love you. I love working for the company. But I feel like there's something more. And then just like testing different things to be like, hey, what did you like about that project? What didn't you like? What kinds of skills do you feel like you would want to develop after that specific project and then move on to the next thing? So. Yeah, I think one of my favorite strategies for like developing, because again, like a good leader always, always trains their replacement. Like if you are, if you're scared of someone being better at your job than you before you're able to move out of your job, then you're a bad leader. Because if you train your replacement, then they're going to be really awesome and that's going to look good on you. And so you're going to move on up. So you always want to train that. And the, the ones that I really like are especially like performance improvements or like, um, like that's the big one I like using is like, how can we, in my performance management, I like to be like, this project, this process sucks. I do not have time to fix this process, but I understand you are frustrated with it. And I understand that it is a problem. I cannot manage this process and being able to take someone and say like, cause it's something they already have ownership of because they hate the process too. And so then you can just give it to them. And that's, I think, a great way, like you were saying, like, here's a project, here's this. And then you can hot wash it after the project and be like, yeah, how did that go? And they're like, I couldn't get anyone to do anything. And you're like, oh, why do you think that is? And you can develop and grow them that way. But I think the the process improvements are one of my favorite ways of just being like, all right, you don't know what you want to do, but this isn't enough. Here's some more on your plate. And then the other thing that's really important, I think, in that process is sometimes if they get handed a cool project by their boss that they like, respect, or whatever, is sometimes you have to corral them back in. Like, you still have to do your job. Oh, <laughs> like, this, one. yeah. Like, this this is not now your job. You still do your job. This is extra stuff. And I think that that's, that's been one of my biggest struggles, weirdly enough, with high performers is just being like, no, like, this is extra like this is you figuring out what you want to do next you still have to do your monday through friday like that still has to happen and that's usually been my like in my performance management conversations is like stop it like i've had to pull stuff out of people's hands because they like they're just like oh my job is now fixing this process and you're like also your job though and they're like this process and you're like nope but also your job and they're you just have to be like give like it's like taking a tennis ball out of a dog's mouth like no no like (laughs) i'll I'll throw it i'll (laughs) throw it when you have it out of your mouth and you're just being a dog for a little while and then i do want to talk about some of that negative feedback though with performance cycles we've talked a lot about how to grow employees or giving the positive side of what about an performance improvement plan for someone that's just just not doing well how do you develop that well you come off with a five-star frog splash off the top rope when they're already down drink that's that's a a wrestling term not a business term (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a corporate term now. <laughs> you think I'm not using it? Oh, we just, okay. So we're going to go full five-star frog splash on this client. People are like, what is that? <laughs> um, I think the, the, so the big thing that's always the easiest part about doing the, the negative performance improvement is actually, like we keep saying, early and often. Early and often, mm -hmm. because when I had someone who had hypothetically issues putting on a lab coat to work in a lab, hypothetically, I was able to say, like, are you sure this is buttons. the right place for you? Yeah. Buttons or zipper? Uh, it was, it was zipper. Well, oh, well, the first day was sleeves. And then the next day was buttons. So hypothetically. So like, I think at the end of the day, like having those early conversations of, are you sure this is the right place for you? Like you seem like you have a great attitude. You're here to learn You're but like, you seem to be struggling with some of the basic tasks of the job. Is this the spot for you? And then when they do struggle further down the road, you're like, Hey, like, remember how we talked about how you were having a hard time. You're still having a hard time, bud. Like, and like, what do you need to do when, to do better? When does that turn into a formal improvements plan? Like you have the conversation, oh. if you were on track to be fired, we are writing down the three bullets that need to happen. We're going to check in a week from now, like that kind of, when do you transition from some negative feedback to an official plan? Yeah, what's, what's your thought like on that? Uh, that really depends on the situation and the employee, because I think it can be difficult to measure, but I think one of the things that a lot of businesses forget to keep track of is the financial accountability of the poor performance. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what yeah. I've used in, in corporate environments to terminate employees who were doing a bad job based on the made up fucking like metrics that we were using was you are costing the company and our clients money by making these mistakes over and over and over again. And this is how much money that's also, by the way, how I've terminated people for time fraud, which in case you don't know what that is, it's punching in and going to the bathroom for two hours and then coming back and then sitting at your desk for 10 minutes and then going out to your car for another hour and like literally not doing work and stealing the company's money. Time fraud, um, because you can put a quantifiable metric and that's sometimes what you need to have to convince HR departments and the bosses, bosses, bosses that this person is a pile of fucking shit and should be terminated because they're stealing the company's money intentionally and maliciously anyway. Well, whole then, other rant. I, I think <laughs> the other thing that always comes into those arguments too, and one of my biggest frustrations is how much time are they, so they may be just wasting a small amount of money because they aren't doing much, but they're wasting the money of me. They're wasting the money of their coworkers right. who have to go over and help them or fix their mistakes or do this. And so a lot of that math comes into like, what value, if, like when I start a performance improvement plan on someone, it is usually done when that person has shown no signs of reaching out for help on their own. In my one-on-ones with them, to their coworkers, to anyone else, mm -hmm. they have said, everything's going awesome. I love this. This is awesome. But then their performance is to the point where I, we are losing money or damaging a, you know, a deliverable or something like that, or act where everyone else in the work area has to then pick up their slack. And if they think everything's going well, and we are spending time, money, effort, and deliverables to make up for their work, that's my trigger for this is now a performance improvement plan. Okay. Like you need to understand formally, like I have told you in all of our one-on-ones, you are struggling. Then I talk to you in the next one-on-one -on -one and you say, I feel like things are going great. And then you say, no, that's not going great. 
And then you talk to them in the next one on one, you're like, how are things going? And they're like, going awesome. And you're like, I don't know how many times I tell you this. That is my trigger for this is a formal process. You need to understand that the end step after this is termination. And that's my trigger for like, this is now a, this isn't, I'm trying to develop you who is struggling and is now become, you are actively taking money from this company mm-hmm. and you're actively hurting the careers of your coworkers. You are now put on formal notice for a performance improvement plan. And that's kind mm-hmm. of my line of, which again, takes some math. And, well, uh, and I mean, I feel like it's like the determination in that case is the intentionality of it. And at some point that no longer matters. And that's kind of like, I feel like that's where the line is. Cause like the, in a lot of cases, depending on the employee, like if it's somebody that just has a shitty fucking attitude and you just need to burn them out, like fine, like that's easy. Like you're a pile of shit. Nobody likes you. You add zero value. You're a terrible teammate. You don't fucking show up to work. Good day. I said yeah. good day. Um, but the people day, that sir. are like trying, I said good day. Um, Bless you. Yeah, tight. Um, but the people that are trying to improve, or at least telling you that they're trying to improve, I think that makes it a little bit more challenging because it's like, right. here's the things. Okay, so we're gonna try this. You're gonna try this. You're gonna take this extra training. You're gonna sit with this employee for an hour and see how they do things to see if you can pick up some tips, and then. When you're at that point, I feel like it's a quick process. Like if you're at the point where you're like, okay, I don't, like nothing's really improved. Like we've probably had some conversations, like some quick accountability stuff. And then we've started to have some more in-depth conversations about like, hey, it seems like you're really not meeting these expectations. And then it becomes like, but also per our previous conversation or last email drink, drink. um, then you um, you said that this was going to improve, that you were going to work on these things and it still hasn't happened. Then it becomes the like documentation process, but you've also told them that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Hopefully you're not just yeah. like, Hey, you're still not doing a good job. That sucks. <laughs> uh, pizza party though. Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> ball pit. <laughs> Am I right? Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, we're, this is, it's becoming a problem. Like you're costing the company money. People are having to pick up after you. Everyone else is having to pick up your slack. That's just not a cool situation to be in. And then you're moving into the documentation process, which when I get to that point, there is very little chance of return. Like if I move into the, like, we're now going into paper documentation, you're signing some shit, you're talking about an improvement plan there's very likely or very little likelihood that there's going to be a return from that because there very little or very rarely genuinely is. And that's my kind of measurement for like, if this person is unsavable, we've tried extra training, we've given them extra resources. We've said, Hey, come in at seven 30 instead of seven, whatever the thing is. And it's still not making an impact. Then at that point, I'm like moving into the process, but they've already been told. And I always tell every employee too, I'm like, you will never be surprised if I fire you. You will yeah. always know that it's coming. You will know the day that it's coming, probably, depending on the corporate environment and state that you work in. Um, <laughs> me. Yep. Maybe you get suspended first if you're in Oregon. But um, anyway, yeah, there's never a surprise. And we've had a lot of conversations ahead of time. And that's really kind of like, for me, it's the point of no return. Because if, if I feel like they can't be saved, then you got to get them out. And if I feel like they can mm-hmm. be saved, then they're, you're still working on stuff. So 
Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of times um, there's some like corporate environments where you, after a certain amount of actions, are like required to put them on a performance improvement plan. And if you uh, don't have a say, that is usually one where you're like, okay, like I have put people on in past lives, I have put people on performance improvement plans that I'm like, I believe in this person, this person has what it takes, they just need a little extra care. And the, the performance improvement plan actually gives me the oomph to do what I wanted to try and do from the beginning which I'm like, you have to give this person this trailer. You have to give the person this job. You have to give the person this extra training. They have to spend the time because they are on a performance improvement mm -hmm. plan. And so you can use it as a weapon. A lot of times the performance improvement plan is always seen as a, this is just the formality so we can fire them so we don't get sued after we fire them. A lot of times that's what the, the yeah. PIP is. But sometimes you can use it as a flipping weapon if you're in a corporate environment. You can say fuck here. Yeah, you, oh, <laughs> sorry. No, but I'm using it as a flipping weapon. Right. And so uh, so you can use it as a weapon to be like, this person's on a pip. We have determined that we need to take these steps to make them successful. So you can fuck all the way off because I'm using my flipping weapon to <laughs> have you fuck all the way off. And so, and so I think there's a lot of... Um, uh, especially misconceptions with how to like for managers to use a pip. Usually the pip is this scary thing because normally a lot of places, the pip is like, we've already decided we're firing you. It's shitty. It's awkward. It's over. You're done. Yeah. We put you on a pip. Usually so your, your boss has said you need to fire Ben and you're yeah. like, fuck, I, I guess I have to fire Ben. And then you have to put Ben on a pip because he's a pile of shit table yeah. slapper. And yeah, then, yeah, to. because like, again, yeah. you have two hands, Ben, stop yeah. using your fucking forehead and what? it's not, <laughs> or at least use your hands in addition. I don't care. <laughs> quit, quit touching the pizza first. That's really, <laughs> anyway. yeah. so yeah. that's, and so like a lot of times it's determined, it's always like the last resort, but I think there's a lot of value, especially in larger corporations as using PIP as your ability to swing out like punch out inside your weight class as a manager mm -hmm. to give a person you believe in resources um and in my past life i have used pips to be like hey listen i'm just going to talk to the site manager and we're going to make this happen because this person is successful here but they have been successful and we've had them do this right. other thing the, the they're now on a pip yes they're now on a pip and then happens. i've had my boss be like no just fire them and i'm like no they're going to be extremely valuable they're on a pip now that gets approved through the top. And then I'm able to sit down with the site manager and be like, this is what this guy needs to be to be successful. Or you can spend 60,000, 120,000 to retrain someone. Bringing in a new person is extremely yeah. expensive. And he's just like, oh yeah, just move them there and then have them be super successful. But I needed right. the oomph of just being like, this person is on their last straw. So just let me throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. That makes sense. I'm just a bully, so I don't ever... <laughs> I just like to fire people. Uh, no, so... no, no. I just mean, like, because depending on where you're at, too, like, putting someone on a documented performance management, for whether it's just, like, a, a documented verbal or a written or a PIP or a PIR mm. or whatever, like, that shit goes in their file. And depending on who they end up with, or if, let's say, you go through the one millionth reorg of the year and they move leaders again, then they're stuck with this shit in their file. So if um, I usually... 
yeah, that's probably the difference for me is that like, I wouldn't use that, but I will also like a fucking pit bull on a pork chop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I will get this shit done. (laughs) So performance improvement plans are part of performance review cycles, which are part of your job as a manager, a big part of your job as a people manager. That's the only part of your job as a people manager. I mean, it's 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 how you determine if what you need to do. Fair. I guess it depends on if your role as a people manager is only the people management or if it is deliverables based on the people that have been yeah. given to you. But that's a whole different episode. Yeah, yeah that, like, that was back to it's like managers versus leaders. And like, yeah. are you just a person whose job is just to move numbers around on a fucking like Uh, whiteboard or spreadsheet or are you an actual people leader and I think a lot of like corporate environments they're like we need man they treat it's like if you can't get a result then you're bad at your job but like Mm -hmm. in all actuality it should be fucking leadership but anyway I digress yeah like I have a I have a huge I have a a, a large track record of like mentoring developing and creating effective teams and that's that's what I do how like and that is and my mindset is my job is to make my people People good at their job because again i'm not sweating my job is to make sure that the people that sweat do everything they need to do and that's like the slap part- so many tables so many tables they sweat so hard slapping those tables mm-hmm. and so those are the like those are the big things on that is like my job is just performance management and it is i mean there's like what what does it mean to so in a performance management review why are you not successful right now ben and you say well because the tables are all 40 yards apart do they need to be 40 yards apart hilarious massive bongos yeah and out of that performance management review i'm like do we what is the osha requirement on tables and they're like 40 inches and i'm like whoa hold on 40 inches and they're like yeah and then we just move all the tables 40 inches rather than 40 yards apart from each other now you're better at your job Mm -hmm. that came from your feedback that came from how you need to do to be better at your job it's a it's a communication channel is a performance review cycle maintaining the continuous communication channel yeah so that you know what's going on your employees know what's going on i think my favorite thing is when we confuse ourselves (laughs) yeah (laughs) But like, yeah, for me, that's the that's the big part. That's the superpower of a of an effective manager is how well you actually communicate back and forth with your employees. All right, is that a wrap on performance review cycle? Well, I mean, what did we learn then? Oh man, you're asking me to learn things. <laughs> I didn't. I signed up to drink. But ben, right, like, 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 like I just I, I just wanted to cycles. talk about math and beer. <laughs> yeah, right. Performance review cycles are tables. <laughs> yeah. No. performance review cycles is slapping to the best of your table ability yeah we'll go with that one (laughs) yeah exactly right that is exactly right ben premium takeaways yeah um humans need purpose and it's our job to give them purpose we didn't even get into like motivations and tuckman's ladder and theories of hygiene and things like that that is so many things are just Another episode. Yeah, Pavlov's bells, all those. <laughs> so <things>. many bells. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, everyone, uh, most people, want to do a good job, and uh, for some people, that is, they don't know what that means. And so, your job as a manager is to tell them what a good job looks like, and then give them the tools to do a good job. And that doesn't mean yelling from the sideline, "Wow, so good!" It's actually being there and 
communicating that on a regular basis with the nice. performance management cycle. High five. Go team. <laughs> Tune in next week for. <laughs> yeah. For something that we don't even know. Is for how to, to hide happen. a body. No, uh, that can be our <laughs> Halloween episode. That could, that'll be our Halloween episode. All right. Uh, why personality tests are BS. <laughs> yeah. I also wrote down business continuity and financial breakdowns. I also wrote down financial headwinds. So, but can oh, you write, are you writing a buzzword? I'm out of beer. We didn't drink for headwinds. Uh, I'm out of beer. Oh. Guess you have to drink Ben's. So, um, but are you writing these down on our post-it note? Did you add financial breakdowns and business continuity? I will. And Bunnies in the Murder Zone, episode four is a wrap. Oh, I like that. <laughs> everything, everything is everything terrible. Everything is terrible. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. <laughs>